great day, amazing human. Welcome to the Empowered In My Skin podcast, where our mission is to help 1 billion people in this world think in more empowering ways. Empower humans, empower humans. So you are in the right spot to become a lead domino for empowerment today. My name is Inke Chi. I'm not only your host, but I am a vibrant optimist obsessed to bring you empowering content with each episode. We will be bringing you content alternating between longer episodes with feature guests and shorter episodes called Empowering Bites, where I'll be joined by my co-host, Gabby Mamone. So if you're ready, let the show begin. Yes, great day. Amazing humans. We are back. We are back with part two. Part two of what? This is the month of November. It is a Monday and I have a medal. All of those M's. <laughs> and I'm here with uh, with this amazing panel that was started last episode. Uh, mine is Funk. Unfortunately, wasn't able to join us today. Um, but I'm joined by Gareth, by Alan, and by Quasi. And uh, a little bit of our B-roll was just like, man... They, not me, more so, I thought it was really powerful. They were like, we got to do this more. Like, more of us, we need to, there's something about us connecting. So I'm going to actually just start there. If you think back to the last experience that you all had together, what was, like, what was that? Like, at the end of it, it did something. Because everyone's like, we got to keep doing this. So what was that for you? And I'll start with you, Kwesi. Uh, Just for me, it was just about connecting with other men and with everything in life, uh, success, mental health, anything. You always think, am I the only one thinking this? Am I the only one going through this? And it's just validation that, you know what, we're all going through the same issues. Our stories are different, but our struggles are similar. So that's what I loved about being here last time and continuing the conversation today. We are. And Alan, how about you? (laughs) 100 percent agree it's like man i spent way 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 too long thinking i was the only one with certain thoughts feeling isolated in what i was experiencing and connection for me has and will continue to be everything i think collectively we've all gone through our own challenges everyone has but this for me personally is all about redemption coming together and putting a voice to something that we're all collectively passionate about yeah, and I can only really echo the same thing. Like the the connection and the the phrase that comes to mind with these conversations is that I'm not alone, and neither is anyone else. Mm. And I think that's so empowering. And for me as well, I just it, I, I finished up thinking about even in moments of doubt, like my own self doubt. There's so many important things that are going to help other people, and that's exactly why we're here talking. So I want to, because um, I think it keeps it really real for for the listeners, right? So obviously, I, I'll just just out of the gate. I had I was very empowered by the conversation. I felt um, a sense of pride um, to give voice to men's health and the importance of it. You know, um, myself married. <laughs> um, you know, I don't pretend that my husband isn't under his own level of stress. And so, um, if we keep it really real, we met, last met August twenty sixth. So we went through all of September, and here we are in quickly running through October because it's almost mid-month. Um, what's, what, has anything shown up for you? Like, have there been really hard days since, since the last time we connected all? Yeah, I'll, I'll share right off the top. 
following on basically from what I was just saying, the empowering feeling of knowing that there's another one of these conversations today mm-hmm. made a made a high on a low week for me personally. Mm-hmm. So actually the last month's been pretty wild and September's busy in the in the fitness industry. So it's kind of been a bit of a whirlwind. But yeah, this last week, um a lot of a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of struggle through kind of, I guess I've kind of just sat back and opened my eyes to the industry, which can sometimes be a good thing. And as, as this week's proven, sometimes a bad thing. So Mm. just feeling like you kind of lose your place and, you know, questioning whether the purpose that, you know, the, the route on to the purpose that I'm on, Mm. is that worth it? Mm. Um, and this conversation has kind of helped me turn the corner on a bit, bit today. So that's kind of where I'm at. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Alan, you were nodding pretty. Um, yeah, thanks, Gareth. Uh, August 26th, I don't I don't remember if I shared last time that I, I am back on uh, uh, a medication for my mental health. And that's new for me, and that's a big deal for me because, I mean, well, I think I was on 13, 12 or 13 pharmaceutical pills in six years at one point, right? Like, I was a zombie, and... Uh, I always said, no, like I'm done with that. I tried it. Uh, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta take your own advice too. It's like, just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And I'm at a different place today. And I was just at a place in my life where through the support of my wife, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And you get to that place very often where if you want something different, you have to do something different. So the, the thing that I found very interesting was this. I I went back to the Shoppers Drug Mart, got the white bag with my prescription. And what was different is the shame was no longer prevalent. And I remember so vividly what it felt like initially walking out of all those buildings, feeling less of a man, um, weak. Why can't I fix this? I don't know where to go with this pain. I'm alone in the journey. And all of that was different. And it's different for two reasons. Number one, where I'm at in my own healing journey, but perhaps more importantly, platforms like this, conversations like this, where more and more men are just being open and vulnerable about their struggles. And that is uplifting. We're moving the right way. Hmm. That was powerful. Oh, that was powerful. I'd like to ask Gareth a question, actually. Um, And thank you. Sorry, first of all, Alan, thank you for sharing that. There was a time when I was on a a different medications trying to figure out which one works. So I hope you found the one that is the best for you because that was a battle for me to get to the one that worked for me. Um, Gareth, you mentioned that you didn't know if it was worth it like what you were doing. Um, how did you answer that question for yourself? Because sometimes I wonder that too. And so how do you get to the point where you're like, yep, this is what I should be doing. Cause you wonder it. And then how do you get to the point where you're like, yep, what are you looking for there? Or what gives you the, the answer? I, I wish I, I wish I knew. Um, I'll share some thoughts on it though. Happily. Uh, I ended my Friday with an actually, so it happened, the the client I was training had to move from a different day and it ended up being the last hour of my week. And that was meant to be because this person's incredible and you can just see the 
and it's actually a very new client that I was working with that has just in two weeks completely shifted in in many ways yeah not just physically yes she's getting stronger but many different things i just kind of felt that and that was something that kind of drove that home for me um and you know outside of that is just coming home to people that love me too right like that makes me realize that even if there's days where i don't know if i'm making the impact that i want when i come home you know even even if what i'm doing every day is just making money to pay the bills I can come home and have Friday night with my family, you know, enjoy dinner, put my daughter to bed, and I'm in a, in a secure enough place to do that. So I think I had two sides of it. One was, hey, even if even if it isn't making an impact, it's making an impact as me as a dad and a partner. And mm-hmm. so it came, you know, I, I was able to see that in a, in a client, and like I said, it kind of it kind of happened that that ended up being the last hour of the week, which was obviously meant to be. Mm-hmm. Thank you. No, it helps a lot. It helps a lot. Tangible tips to take away. So um, I'm not, I haven't even, we haven't even touched the questions yet. So Gareth, (laughs) you said, use the term imposter syndrome. And it it sparked me because interestingly enough, um, last week I delivered a talk all around and I shared my journey about imposter syndrome, right? And I'm not sure if you know the stats, but women feel it more than men and in women, women of color feel it even more, most in, in the realm of women. So men often are not associated with having imposter syndrome, right? Like one of the biggest examples they always talk about is, you know, there's a job description, there's 10 attributes that are required. Men look at the first one, got it, apply. <laughs> women look at all of them and like, you know, if they don't have nine or all 10, they're not applying, right? So when you said it, it just, it, it I want to talk about it. So I'm asking all of you, all of you have this question to answer. How do you experience, like, do you experience imposter syndrome? So Gareth, you do. So we're going to talk about how you do. But do you, you know, Alan and Quasi, when it comes to your time, do you experience it? And when you do, how do you move through it? Uh, and then I'll share a little bit about where I am with imposter syndrome after. So I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to give away the, the kill. <laughs> so uh, you first. Yeah, go. I'd love to, I'd love to share. The first, the first thing, and this is going to kind of maybe give it some context as well. It's funny that you mentioned that women tend to experience this more often. And when you gave that description of, you know, the job description and ticking off the first thing and, and then having to go down the list, that's me. Uh, and, and you, you were talking about me. And it's interesting because, and I'm sure we can dive into this. I don't want to derail the question too much, but I've always felt, and I mentioned this, I think, last conversation, that I've always been, to, I'm going to call it towards the feminine and take that how you want. The way I mean it is that I've always felt a bit more connected to the typical traits that are feminine. Mm-hmm. Things like the, just what you you know gave as an example, you know, the things that I'm comfortable doing, the environments I'm comfortable in. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that was driven by not feeling like I belonged in more masculine, typical masculine environments. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a whole other thing we can talk about. But... Mm-hmm. So I think that's me definitely. And it it comes up a lot for me. And I think it's probably a lot to do with the environment I'm in every day. Because not only is it, am I worried about making an impact and being, you know, the, 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 the best I can be in business, you know, and as a, you know, and as a dad and as a husband, but I think as well, the, the physical side of being in the fitness industry and the man is, is also really impacting when it comes to that, because we're, 
we're told by media or we have been, it's changed a lot recently. We've been told by media that we need to look a certain way. Mm. You'll be a good fitness professional when you're more jacked than the next person, mm. when you've got a six pack, when you've got bigger arms. Mm -hmm. And I think it's driven a lot from that. Um, and although why I was suffering it this week had nothing to do with my physical appearance, mm -hmm. I think it stems from there based on everything that I've been is in, been imprinted on me for the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that was a lot. Yeah, no, that was, I, and I'm going to touch on something else that you said, but I'm going to, I want to just see if Alan and Quasi have any comments about this thing that we call the imposter syndrome thoughts around it. Yeah, I guess I will add to, to that. I mean, because even though I'm a professional speaker by trade, I still do, uh, fitness training, not on Gareth level. I don't have my own studio or anything, but I still um, do that as a, you know, one of my side hustles, if you will. Um, and that is something that I definitely know. I mean, I would say that I have, you know, I don't like labeling myself, but I would say if I do have a little, I do have a little bit of that body dysmorphia thing, you know, where I never feel big enough. I never feel strong enough. And I feel like things that have been people made fun of me for being real skinny when I was in high school and I'm fit now. I'm not huge, but I'm fit now, but I still will never feel like I have enough size to be credible to a lot of people. And so I, I kind of felt you there when you said that Gareth, because you, I look at the gym I go to a gym and I don't train in a gym, but if I see trainers, I'm like, okay, that guy's probably a good trainer because he, he seems to know kind of what he's talking about, but he's bigger. And so I just automatically trust that when we know intuitively that knowledge has nothing to do with it. Um, sorry, the way you look has nothing to do with it. It's all about your knowledge. Uh, but as far as the speaking industry goes, um, I definitely have that feeling of, do I belong here? Uh, I I speak mostly, I speak to first responders, but I speak mostly to, to students. So when I walk into a school, like a good friend of mine is 24 and killing it in this industry. I'm twice his age, literally. And I think, can I relate? To, to young people and and I always get good reviews and students coming up to me. So I, I, I know I'm good at this, but I still feel like, wow, um, this place is for people who are way younger than me. Mm -hmm. Like, the, you know, talking to mental health to students should be done by someone who was more recently a student. And so I feel that pretty much every time I walk into a school, I know my, I know what I'm going to talk about, but uh, it's definitely there. And the way I get over it is I just try to, I have a testimonial file, like, and I call it motive, my motivation file. And I'll go back and I'll look at student testimonials or things that people have said to me, mm. uh, because it's very easy to forget mm. that people appreciate you for what you do. <laughs> and we have a very short memory for the love we get, but very long memory for the hate we get. So, you know, that's just something that, I feel and go through on a daily basis. So I'm with you, Gareth. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, I was doing, I was in three high schools there. Uh, I think it was last week and that creeps into, cause I got the silver hair. I'm starting to get further and further apart. And I, I'm guessing you're referring to Sam Demma. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, he, Sam's a great friend of mine. And uh, yeah, I think everybody in Canada knows who he is now. He's been on BT and everything. So I have a lot of, I, I pretty much try to know everybody in the youth industry, but yes, he is one of my good friends. Yeah. He's a beautiful soul. I think that if we weren't having some kind of insecurity, then there's something greater to be concerned about because 
we're human. We're human. I shared that I was sexually abused. The effect of that and why it's significant for this conversation is because shame has been the most dominant emotion of my life. It's not that I did something wrong. It's that I am something wrong. So I often feel flawed, whether it's in the physical, the mental. Uh, I remember doing this one event in Toronto and Chris Hadfield, the astronaut, was before me, and he's doing his book signing, and then I'm going to do my book signing after. And when it was time for me to do my book signing, people are still waiting to see Chris. And the coordinator says, hey, you want me to tell Chris to to go so that you can set up? I'm like, that's Chris Hadfield. Like, <laughs> who the am I? And the that was one of those moments, though, for me where I called Tanya, my wife, after, and I said, like I'm I'm struggling here with with my place. Do I have a right to even be here? Who am I? And it was as simple as don't you ever compare yourself to anyone else. You are enough. You are valued. And it's like what you're all saying. We we are often our harshest critics. There is nothing more powerful than our story. There's nothing more sacred than our story. And through our story, we will reach others who maybe wouldn't have been touched through someone else. Like this is a collective thing. We're all part of something that in my opinion is much, much bigger than us. Mm. And it's funny, all four, all three of you have culminated into this journey that I had. So in 2021, I started the year imposter syndrome. It exists. It is something I'm going to speak about it. I'm on panels. I'm t- and then mid-year, I met, I had interviewed this amazing human and they brought me from imposter syndrome because it's not, it's not a diagnosis. It's nothing, it's not medical to imposter moments. And I think that's kind of what I heard in some of those, like you had these imposter moments because you wrote your book, but now you're here having to sign it and Chris Hadfield is there and you're having this moment and it's fleeting and it was evaporated by great words by someone that you trust and knows you and, you know, and then there's, and then after I had this really, um, awesome opportunity, but I was very fearful. The imposter thing was coming up and somebody, who I really honor in my life, wrote me a text in capital letters said, there's nothing imposter about you. And ever since then, I've walked away from it. And I think, Quasi, what you said with the testimonial file is how I use it. Because I believe that, you know, so far as we, and all of you are testament to that, so far as you're continuously trying to do things and put yourself in spaces and places to advance and, and hit your goals or you know, serve in this world or just do something that's impactful, you are going to feel these moments where it's like, oh my God. And I think it's those moments that should be a reminder of the testimonies that have been on our lives about when we've hit these spaces before, this is what people said about us. You know what I mean? Like, and, and to my face, you know? So if there's anything I can say to all of us, women, men, and all this, any other, like there's nothing imposter about us. We are supposed to have these moments because it means that we're actually daring greatly to do something in our lives to touch probably other humans because we don't have the imposter syndrome when we're sitting on the couch by ourselves. Let's just be real. Right? Like, anyway, so thank you for entertaining that. And again, I have these massive questions, but all of you are dropping these nuggets. So Gareth, I do want to double click on this because you said that's for another conversation. I think it's for this conversation. There are pressures on men when you're in rooms to, and you did the quotes. I want to talk about what those quotes are because those quotes I think are what's causing the mask of masculinity. Because I think 
out, what's outside of these quotes that are important to protect men's health? Because in the quotes, I believe there's a lot of men that are suffering. So I'm going to start off with Garrett because you did the quotes. I don't know what those quotes are in a man's for a man to define them. So would love you to first start with defining the quote, and then let's just talk about that. Yeah, that's a big question, <laughs> um, and that's why I did that. That's why I was trying to get podcast. out of it. Um, just trying to avoid it. No, the here's the thing. What I've seen in my life, I think this is some of the, it's some of my upbringing, and I think a lot of people in the similar, you know generation where we grew up we didn't have a lot of emotionally healthy male role models mm. so what we saw was close off your emotions don't talk about it you know you can just be you can be quiet and don't get me wrong we can all deal with our stuff in different ways and that's fine but there's times where we need to be you know emotionally capable of handling that and, and i don't i wasn't personally um a role model in the hundreds of conversations i've had via podcasts and other channels i, I feel that's a very similar reoccurring thing that that men in our generation have come up against so that's a big part of where it starts and then we start to see what is portrayed as typically masculine and i'm going to say the that this is going to be very very um yeah whatever it is what it is but um the the beer drinking sport watching you know biceps and i'm stronger than this person i'm bigger than this person i can fight that person right and the and the conversations about sexual conquests and how much you can drink and just the typical things that go along in my mind went along with that emotionally closed off role model or role models that i had growing up and all that kind of i guess it comes together <laughs> in my quotes of kind of masculinity not a space where we can have these caring, empowering conversations that we're having right now. And I've been privileged to have with many people in my life now that wasn't there. And I just, I didn't know how to get to that place mm -hmm. and I didn't have the people to guide me and mentor me to those conversations. So I just isolated myself. Hmm. And that's, I, I think that answered the question. You know, it, it has. Have you all read, heard, or read the book um, "The Mask of Masculinity" by Lewis Hoth? I've heard of it. I have not read it. So it's a, it's a great book. You should check it out. Um, so Lewis Hoth is a inspirational, like thought leader. Um, pretty. He has the School of Greatness. Is his podcast? It's pretty awesome. Um, so he talks about there's nine masks in the book. There's the Stoic mask. Um, the athletic mask, which we probably spoke about, the material mask, which is obviously everything that you have, the sexual mask, the aggressive mask, the joker mask, the invisible, invincible mask, which is you could, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing you can't do or shouldn't be able to do, the know-it-all mask, <laughs> and the alpha mask. And so to Quasi and to Alan, Alan, I'll start with you. Do any of those, without even reading, like do any of those masks sort of resonate with you? Oh, 100%. But I think the most important thing is in the awareness itself, mm. because the reality is a mask serves a purpose. Mm. And at some times in our life, we do have to turn to it, whether that's in our place of work, where we have to put on that performance. Or for me, like the last the last two months, ebb and flow with my mm. mental health, the show must go on. So while I'm doing all these keynotes, I mean, I have to, in a way, perform but what I've learned and what's different is the awareness and insight 
that the mask has to come off. And am I willing to give myself permission to go within and to feel? Mm. And through that is what has allowed me to move forward in my own journey of healing and and hence conversations like these, just mm-hmm. getting people together to have the real heartfelt because collectively we can only handle so much of these surface level conversations. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think we probably all have been intentional about surrounding ourselves with people who can go to those places because we want to grow not only individually, but as a society. Mm-hmm. Tracy, how about you? I just was opening up on my other screen, the nine masks of masculinity. I have it open there so I can just kind of see them because uh, you just went through them so quickly. Oh, um, and I'm, it's okay. I'm going to get the book anyway. So I know about Lewis Howes um, and I haven't followed him in a while, but I'm going to go get that book for sure. Um, I guess I, to what Alan said, um, we do need masks in certain situations and it's not like it's totally negative to have, but you do have to recognize uh, awareness is our greatest agent for change. When we are aware that we have a mask on, Mm -hmm. then we have the ability to say, okay, I'm going to keep it on for now, or I'm going to take it off. And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I don't think I have much more to add to to what Alan said, Mm -hmm. but just knowing that you have it on is already your key to victory when it comes to being vulnerable because you can now have the choice and say, all right, I'm going to take it off and allow myself, as he said, to feel. So I'm just curious because I, I, again, I'm just, maybe it's, I'm going to be a little bit um, devil's advocate or I'm going to challenge that. Like, do you actually need the mask? Like, and so I'll give you, and, and I don't know if I didn't have the mask or didn't have the, so if I think about it, like, I feel like I've shed my mask. Like, and so I, I tend to operate in the space of where I am right now like in my heart and my spirit and my soul. And I don't mask that. And so perfect example, I was in a new environment, new role. Um, I'm in technology. So there's not a lot of females in my space, nor are there black women. And so, you know, I get onto this um, and I'm an executive, so I'm, I'm leading, you know, big teams. And so in this particular moment, I had had a, a meeting with some se- senior executives. I, for whatever reason, I had no chance to unpack it. I left that call and anxiety. I felt it in, like it was up here in my chest. I don't know where you all feel, but for me, it was it's up here. It was tight. It was coming. And the next meeting I had to get into was with my leaders on my team, right? And, I've, and, and I'm new, right? So I don't even, I probably was in my first month or two of, of being in the company. And I knew nothing else but to come on the call because I didn't know who I was going to be as a leader in a new organization, mostly leading men, on a call with them, feeling anxiety. I had no idea who I was going to be in that experience. And I was just really honest. I said, I'm going through some anxiety right now. And I don't know why and I don't know what I need, but I just want to share that that's the space I'm in right now. And hearts went up, the emoji hearts went up and, and there was feedback afterwards, you know, even from one of my leaders, he said that he had a conversation with his significant other and said, I couldn't believe it. Like, I've never heard an executive, especially non-government at, in technology, at the back, admit that they're having anxiety in the moment, you know, and, bec- and so for me, I feel like that's mask removed. You get what I'm saying? Because I understand what you're saying, Alan, about performing, but I, I knew I needed to perform but I wasn't going to perform absent of what I was feeling. So I don't know if that resonates. So I'm just, so my question really I'm here is when we talk about this performance thing, can we double click on that? What does that actually mean and how, yeah, Derek, go. I'll share an example that, mm-hmm. that really resonates. And I love, uh, I've been fortunate to hear that 
uh, already, which is um, <laughs> we spoke about this a while ago, and it's really powerful. And I love what it stands for. I wanted to share an example, kind of listening and hearing what everyone was talking about about the masks. And in my head, I'll share what's going on in my head because you know maybe this will this will resonate with someone. I picture a mask, okay, and this mask has got you know whatever it is written on it and it's blanked out and you can't see the person's face. And this is this mask that's worn. And in my eyes, this mask is worn to, to cover what's really underneath. Mm. That's what a mask's purpose is. When I think about everything that's been said, I see this mask as, and this might be a bit creepy, but you know, it's nearly Halloween. So whatever is I see this mask as being kind of semi transparent. Mm. So it's a mask and it's there for a purpose, like we said, but it's like I put it on, but it's still me. I'm not, it's not the, it's not the Chucky mask or whatever it is for Halloween. It's completely covering up who I am. There's nothing really to hide, but what there is, is there's a little bit of trans. You can still see me, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be very cautious with how I approach protection. the situation. Some, it's like a little yeah. bit of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, and I think it's a protection for us, but I also believe in some environments it's a protection for the other. So I'll give an mm-hmm. example. I have a new client. And this client is a 40-something dad. He's never been exercised before. He's never been in the gym. I've spoken to him briefly on a consultation, and then I've spent two hours with him. That's it. So it's a very, very new relationship that we have. I don't know him whatsoever, so I'm digging out all the information I can. He isn't a big – he's not a big talker. I don't think he's a big small talker. So I'm – and now I can go in a little bit sometimes and I like put it out on the table and in a client trainer relationship, you want vulnerability and you want that connection, but you have to be, you have to kind of wear the, the, the semi-transparent mask three weeks in, we're starting to have conversations and he's starting to tell me stories about his kids and being a parent. And he's starting to open up a little bit because I know that part of the conversation and part of what I can offer, not just from helping somebody with their health and fitness is, I can help him connect with those deep rooted reasons why he's really there, which I think I kind of know from hearing, you know, what he's told me. But if I go straight in and lay it out on the table for someone maybe that isn't receiving it at the level I'm at, if I go in for that vulnerability handshake and the person's like, it's a bit much, it's difficult to continue to build that. So I just have to be cautious. So I think that's where it can become a tool. What we have to be mindful of is that we don't put that fully blacked out mask on where we're hiding who we are, which I try not to do, but sometimes I have to, I guess it's a filter. Mm, I love that. It's, it's, like da- it's like dating. The way you describe it, it's like dating. It's like the woman that shows up at the table on the first date and says, uh, I want to be married in the next year, right? You're like, I'm out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, she's being vulnerable, but nope, not ready. <laughs> Fully unmasked, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I love yeah. that analogy. Does anyone want to add to that before I move on to the next question? Yeah, I mean, I, I I can appreciate where you're coming from, and vulnerability breeds vulnerability, and that's a beautiful thing. It's a, a question of how much to share yeah. sometimes, mm-hmm. but as you also alluded to earlier, context is everything. Mm-hmm. And there's some places where it's just not safe to share, nor right. do I want to. I was speaking at a federal prison not too long ago, and they did a really beautiful uh, project where they were each given a mask, and they had to paint on the outside how they wanted everyone to perceive them, but then the inside was how they perceived themselves, which of mm. course was night and day. And I think this conversation is not black and white. Yeah. There, it, It's no different. Like I'm not going to never go around and wear a mask because it's 
It's like if someone even approaches me, how are you doing today, Al? And it's a tough day. 99.9%, I'm going to do the robotic good because I just don't feel like inviting them in. Mm. Um, but I do have my people. I have my circle who I will go to and fully remove the mask. But like Gareth said, I think it's uh, it's not um, rigid. Yeah. Um, it's It's just ebb and flow. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think that was a great analogy. And I thank you for stretching my mind on that one. I just, I just, the question came up when you use the word performance and mask. And I know that the mask of masculinity and that quotation is a big part of men's mental health and the challenges that they have. So, that, so I appreciate you guys opening up the conversation. Quick, before we, I know we have to move on to the next topic. We're just <laughs> all over the place. But uh, Alan, as a speaker, I'm, uh, I can already tell that you're probably quite vulnerable when you speak. Um, and I'd love to come see you speak at some point, uh, just because I'm sure I'm, I would learn a lot from you. Um, I, I think that that whole dance of mask on, mask off, for me, I'm a, a fierce introvert. And so when speaking for me is the last thing I thought I would ever be doing in front of people. And so... I had to, when I first started to learn how to speak, join Toastmasters, that type of thing. I had to put on the, the mask of confidence <laughs> first and really, you know, that's kind of how I start my speeches. I pump myself up. I'm ready to go. I start with something engaging with the students. Um, and I don't start with the fact that I went to jail and there are times I didn't want to be here anymore because that's too much. I have the performer take the mask off at times during the speech uh, and let them in. So there's that dance of mask on mask off i don't know how you approach speaking do you have that kind of approach as well uh because i'm sure there's some heavy parts of your speech obviously with the sexual abuse in your past i think what i've learned is, and this perhaps ties in with the imposter syndrome too uh i mean i'm 15 years in now to speaking uh but so i'm pretty comfortable with where i am but where i used to go wrong is i would listen to someone and i'd be like oh they're so funny I, I need to inject more humor into my presentation. I need to be like them or, well, they started off this way. Hmm. You know, and, and at the end of the day, the greatest thing that we can offer ourselves and others is just being our authentic self. There are some people, and I'll just speak to the space that you and I are in right now, Quasi. Like there are some professional speakers who they need the, the coaches on how to articulate everything and what they're doing with their body. And I'm like, F that. Like, if I am if I am somebody in the audience, just show me real. Just don't, don't be all polished. It's okay. Like, my very first event where there's this big screen, and remember, I have the body dysmorphic disorder where if I see my side profile, I'm hooped. Like, I could mm -hmm. never function in society if I saw that. And that's what I see as I walk up onto the stage. There's this huge screen of my side profile, and I fall. I just tripped <laughs> on the stairs, and I fall. And it's it's like being okay with the imperfections and um, finding our own way. What works for me won't work for you. And that's okay. It's just, um, we all are doing things afraid yeah. and that's a beautiful thing. It's what, yeah. what you said before in cagey, like we're not sitting on a couch. Oh, that's easy. There's a difference between existing and living. Mm. Mm. I, I love that. You said that Alan, thank you. Because I just recently decided, I mean, with you being the exception, I do want to 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 come and and be in your audience one day. But I used to follow, like I think I've gone to every youth speaker speech. Um, like I have friends that 
are in this space and I've gone to all their speeches and I'm like, okay, taking notes on that, taking notes on that, just to try to make myself better. I'm not overly concerned with gesticulation, all the Toastmaster stuff anymore, but um, I just want to learn, okay, oh, what did he do that affected the audience? Okay, what did he do? Okay. And I was obsessive over that. And I just recently decided that I'm not going to any more speeches for, for anybody <laughs> uh, because my story is my story and yes. the way I deliver is I deliver and I can just, yes. I can record my speech and say, okay, what can I do as a speaker to improve my own speech? But I'm, I'm not going to go to anybody's speeches anymore because it, it gets me too much in my head. So thank you for that. Um, Bravo. Reminder, Alan. <laughs> Good on you. It's all part of the men, men, mental health thing, right? So people look at you on social media and they probably see, you know, Alan is up on big stages and Gareth is training all these people and, and then Ketchy, you've competed and you are just a strong woman, both mentally and physically. And they see, okay, these people are have everything together and they finally figured out life and this type of thing. I love it because it reminds me that we all are fighting those imperfections, yep. those feelings of insecurity that we have and um we all need to do things like this yeah <laughs> so i got a, this is a bit of a selfish question but someone else is definitely thinking it who's listening so i'd like to get some insight i, I like to have actionable things that i can work on and i believe that anyone listening needs that too so i've been doing a lot of work on personally on being recognizing where my wins are celebrating being confident and you know being proud of what i've done and then being confident you know so that imposter those imposter moments which i'm totally stealing that by the way um <laughs> when those imposter moments come up i can look back and say hey there's a reason i'm here you know history leaves clues read those testimonials like quasi said like all of those things now there's a there's this this space between that place and how how I can also see the opportunities for growth. Mm. How do we find that place where we're sitting on that sweet spot and we're confident and we're proud of where we're at and we've been winning and we know where we're at, but then I can look out and go, right, this is great. This has got me here. Where are my opportunities from here? That's where I struggle with. It's either I'm in the opportunities for growth and there's so many, I just want to quit mm. or I'm on the other side of that right where it's like i'm winning everything's great and i'm just going to steam like full steam ahead and ignore everything like where's the balance and how do we find that it's a big question but here we are any insights would be much appreciated balance to me is just a messed up word like what the hell is that to me it's a unicorn there is no static linear it's just all highs lows up downs life happens um we have those moments you said it before gareth awareness awareness you might be in this place today and tomorrow's a completely different day. Someone sends you an email. Good. You ride that for a while. We have, it's like a, I don't know, a white piece of paper and there's a black dot and the choice becomes ours where we want our eyes to rest. And we can be so quick to focus on what's going wrong opposed to what's going right. And that for me, the awareness and the activity, the actionable item is, okay, let's talk about what's going right. And if there's things going wrong, then what am I going to do about it? For me, the number one thing is surrounding myself with people who have done it before, connecting myself with people who might have found a different or a better way to get what it is that I'm seeking, to have mentors, 
to ask the question. I used to be so afraid to connect with certain people because I thought, oh, they wouldn't have time for me. They're too busy. Well, every time you risk or you ask a question, you, you risk hearing yes. So I ask. I love that. I have something. Yeah. I was, uh, Kwesi, do you want to go first? Since this is the male's panel. And that's <laughs> the male's panel. No, that's, that's, that's all good. Um, the, <laughs> the one word that came to me, uh, Ed Milet is, um, wrote a book called The Power of One More. And he, he says that we should live lives of inspirational dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. So most people are dissatisfied with their life and they're not doing anything about it. When we're inspirational and we're moving forward and it's, and we have that feeling inside that, you know what? You know, I can still progress. I can still do more, but I am happy where I I am happy with what I've achieved. That's what life is about. It's I, I've stopped trying to reach that point where everything is perfect, and I've learned to accept that I'm always wanting to see what else I can do without mm-hmm. getting too involved in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. So that that for for me is a balance. What what do I want to do for myself and when I set my own goals, as opposed to saying this person's done that and I should try to hop onto their goals, then I, then I'm okay in my space, even if it's not exactly where I want to be. If I live my whole life, not exactly where I want to be, I'm at, I'm okay with that mm-hmm. at this point now. So I'm going to, I, I love, I, that could have been a whole, that could be a whole episode, Gareth. I might have to uh, bring you back on the, on the show just for that topic. But uh, I interviewed somebody. Um, so Full transparency, I batched my episodes actually earlier this morning. So this is why it's so fresh. And one of the things that they talked about so much was there was this thing that they were doing. And when they got to that point, which is, I think, that inflection point where you spoke about, um, Gareth, they recognized it was a goalpost, not the goal, like, not the goal, right? It was just, a, it was a goalpost. And they, f- something, it just, so far something goes a little past the goalpost. And you can look past and say, oh, okay, that's where I want to hit, but I gained a little bit more. You're in this new space of growth that you can continue, and I, and and then I think it's it's really doubling down on what Quasi just said is like chase the change, change, chase the growth, chase the change, you know, be open to fail, but don't make fail yours, right? Like, you know, um, and I think that that's where you just keep pressing, right? Like, and and there's some things that you're gonna go meander through, and you're gonna fail, and it wasn't that's not what was meant for you, but but what's the lesson? And then add the nugget and then just keep going. All of these are seeds, right? Like every day is just like, what new seed can I plant? And then, and then start to water it and see where it grows. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, really helpful. And I'm sure helpful to others. It, it reminds me, a good friend of mine said to me, this is about 15 years ago, and I didn't really understand it until many years later. But he said, you should sit down and plan some failures mm. in your life mm-hmm. and i and i didn't understand what it meant and it took me many years and you know it's kind of it, it's tying in a lot to what all of you are saying so yeah it's really powerful appreciate it so last question for you before i get into uh the uh the the um what's it called the um oh i lost the word the, the rapid thrivers I don't know what the word is I was looking for. It might come. So it's not important. Uh, let me move on from that. Okay, so... <laughs> I might have to edit all of that out because I think that's like a minute of waste. Anyway, um, so beyond November, what do you believe is required? And I'm going to just say from a media perspective, right? So we touched on social media. I think it was Alan that might have touched on it. From a media perspective, 
to really drive more focus, more emphasis to really help and support men as it relates to this, their, their health overall? question i think for me i'll just keep it really simple highlighting conversations and content like we've just experienced for the last this episode the previous episode this conversation highlighting that not only can we be vulnerable Mm. but we can also accept that vulnerability as men Mm. And the three of us right here, you know, and, and Funk in our previous panel, that we, we have to, we've got a responsibility to accept others' vulnerability as much as we have to be vulnerable. Mm. So whatever, and I don't know what that is, but whatever highlights that dual responsibility around vulnerability, mm-hmm. I think is what takes us in the right direction. Alan, thanks, Gareth. Turn on the radio, watch the news. Does it talk about what's going right in the world or what's going wrong? And that's the problem. I think that too often we we highlight what's going wrong in terms of men and mental health. You know, one in two men don't reach out for help. Well, we talked about this before, one in two men do. In my opinion, the short and sweet is highlight those who are creating a new path for the next generation so that they don't have to fight the same mm-hmm. demons that we did. Mm-hmm. Because there's, and and I'm saying at a community level too, because I see this in numerous communities. Most of my work is in Canada. And just in the last year, how many communities have created their first ever men's mental health event? The first one ever. And some of them, maybe 25 people, some of them 400. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, why, why are we not putting more time and energy and focus into that? So you're saying make, normalize it. So it becomes what we 100%. see and then we just start to model it. Crazy. Yes. I love that. So we're talking about how we can normalize media. having discussions yeah, about mental. We need to see more media to really help drive this. To I like to Alan's point where it's just not something that we need to talk about because it's good. <laughs> yeah. And I think more invitations to opportunities to be vulnerable. Um, So uh, for me, I always say my speaking career began with Toastmasters and joining the Toastmasters organization. That organization allowed me to have a space where I could safely share stories from my life, things that have happened to me, and learn from other people who did the same Mm -hmm. through speeches and talking and just making friendships. Um, We need to have more invitations to things like that, where we have opportunities to express ourselves, to be vulnerable. And then it normalizes it in our society. So I don't know what that looks like in a media form, but more invitations to things like the moth to, I used to go to something called Mo Mo Mondays and I know they have speaker slam out there. They have all these events where people get to share their personal stories we need to see more of that. Mm-hmm. And then that normalizes talking about things. And then we can connect each other to getting the help that we need as well. Cause it was in a meeting like that where I was able to say, you know what? I saw a psychologist for nine years mm-hmm. and someone else said, yeah, I done the same thing mm-hmm. or I've been on this medication or da, 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 da. So more invitations for opportunities to be vulnerable. Okay. Thank you. So rapid thrivers, <laughs> 
Quasi, I'm staying with you. When you think of someone who comes to mind and inspires you, who comes first? Who comes first that inspires me? You had to go to me first, eh? Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. The longer you take, the longer they have to think of theirs. So come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll give I'll give them a moment. Um, you know what? <laughs> I will say um, a friend of mine, Scott Medlin, he's uh, in a former first responder and he's out there um, destigmatizing mental health amongst first responders. He's written about four books now and he's speaking all over the States um, to police organizations on how to improve their mental health. I'm going to do something similar here in Canada uh, for first responders, but um, he's someone that inspires me because he's always out there saying, you know what, let's talk about it. All the failures and flaws we have and mental health as a as a topic needs to be destigmatized especially in that profession and i'm passionate about it because i'm a former officer thank you scott thanks Tracy. Mm-hmm. alan joe roberts joe roberts is uh a brother from another mother from for me we're both in recovery the man pushed a shopping cart push for change across the country he knows what it's like to be homeless. Uh, he's totally turned his life around, built a multi-million dollar business, then relapsed, lost it all again, built it back up. You know, like, I just really appreciate people who are real. He's not only a friend, but a mentor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Love that. Gareth? I'll go, uh, I'll go really, really close to home. Uh, a very good friend of mine. Um, his name is Carl. Uh, and it just the the start of these conversations for me are rooted in the the conversations I had with him. So it's very inspiring on a personal level for me and, and it's given me, given me the courage to continue those conversations and, and, you know, that kind of waterfall effect down to everybody else. So, you know, that, that inspired me way back. And I, you know, I mentioned one of the, the questions he asked me and one of the things he challenged me with 15 years ago, and those conversations are still happening. So that's uh, that's definitely something that has uh, touched my heart a lot over the last few years. Thanks. Um, Gareth, I'm going to stay with you. You're all going to get a different rapid thriver going forward because that one was painful. <laughs> Just kidding. I was like, y'all thought about that answer. Okay, so Gareth, what's the daily activity that helps you with your thrive? Journaling. That was rapid. Yeah, there you go. Rapid. Uh, Alan, what is a book or a podcast that has really helped you with your thrive? Oh, that's awful. I average 0.8 books a year and probably zero podcasts a year is what I'm averaging right now. So uh, (laughs) TV show goose goose egg for that one. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to come to you. So stay there. Quasi, a a book that's helped you with your thrive or podcast or movie. Um, yeah, I don't listen to many podcasts. Um, a book that's helped me with my thrive, uh, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Yes. Just a reminder to be present, and I love it. And I just have to, I just have to do it because you do it so well. Please give us an excerpt. Um, the present moment is the field on which the game of life is played. It cannot happen anywhere else. Mm. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Very inspiring. Okay, so back to you, Alan. What is an app that helps you with your thrive? That I I I don't even have apps. <laughs> Goose egg. Uh, I think last time I shared the first app I got was White Noise. I listened to right, White Noise. Right, that's right. You did that, share White Noise. I mean, does that help me thrive? Maybe it helps me sleep. So that gives me energy for the next day. Okay, I have one more coming for you, Alan. Hold on, Gareth. What's the app? 
would say it's got to be Spotify for podcasts. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Alan, you must have this. What is a misconception <laughs> that people have of you as they see you on stage speaking and being featured? Yeah, it's funny. I had this news reporter. He says, oh, a motivational speaker must be nice to have everything together and always be upbeat. And I said, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we speak, because we don't have everything together, but we're willing to share the mess. Yeah. Right? (laughs) I love it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so just each of you, um, starting with you, Gareth. um, I'll actually start with Alan, because he's A. Where do we find more of you online? Because you're all awesome. uh, Best way, alankaler.com. A-L-L-A-N-K-E-H-L-E-R.com. And I apologize publicly because I was saying Keller. Keller. Uh, it doesn't matter. No, but I, I want to pronounce it right because if you say Nechi or Nichi or Itchy, I'm going to tell you that's not worth it. That matters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gareth, where do we find more of you online? Uh, probably the best place to find me is anywhere on social media with my name. It's in all of my handles, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Best place to connect with me. I love it. I love it. And Kwesi. Uh To combine both of them, both social media and online, Kwesi Speaks, K-W-E-S-I Speaks. Uh, it's my social media.com is my website. <laughs> like KwesiSpeaks.com. <laughs> and as a parting question, each of you do get to answer this. So obviously the person that finishes last gets to ponder and reflect on this, but I think it'll be, the, it'll be as equally as powerful as the first person. So this podcast is called Empowered in My Skin. Okay. And I just like reflecting on the conversations that we just had. um, I just want each of you to share and I'll start with you, Gareth, what that means to you. Wow. Empowered. In my skin. In my skin. That to me, it means being in a place where I can make an impact. Mm. And, what, and physically, mentally, emotionally, when I say a place. I love that. Yeah. Alan, that was good. I love that one. Hmm. Can't I don't know it. if it was like yogi or something. He said, if you don't go within, you go without. Mm. And it's, it's, it's that simple. I spent so much of my life living outside of self. The world was always my stage. It has been one hell of a journey trying to gain some comfort in my own skin. And I'm definitely not there but I feel like I'm moving the right way. Mm, that was powerful. I love that one. And Quasi. Wow. Empowered in my skin. Um, I think for me, being a black man is looking back and feeling the energy of the heroes of my history and then looking forward to ask myself, who can I help uplift? And that makes me feel empowered. Mm. I love that. You know, I, I, something that came to mind that, and I thank you all. Um, I just have to share this because I love that, that question. Um, so, so I believe that when I came out with empowered my skin, a lot of people felt it was a movement for black people. (laughs) Yeah. And I found this out through an interview one day when it was with a white person and I asked them what that meant and they were confused. They're like, in my skin? I'm like, mm. yeah, the skin 
And I realized, so when Quasi said as a black, I just remember that. And I love that all of you understand that we all are within skin. And it's within, that's, and what you said, Alan, was so powerful. It's not the external. It's everything that we do, that we birth into this world is from within. And I, and I think that that's how we get to maximum health for ourselves. And I really appreciate that you all answered that question so meaningfully. And I just have to share that. It means a lot to me. Thank you. And to everyone that's listening, oh my God, we were supposed to do 30 minutes. We did an hour almost. I love it. This is why we talk about these conversations need to continue um, because they are empowering and they're much needed, you know, and they shouldn't have a time clock on them. But sadly, this is where I have to say we're out. So to everyone that's listening, we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> See ya. There you have it. I trust you are feeling more empowered in your skin. As the late Dr. Maya Angelou said, when you get, you give, when you learn, you teach. So it would mean so much for us at EIMS if you would share this episode and tag us or teach an insight that you took from today's episode on your socials and tag us. Feel free to leave us a review over at iTunes and follow us on social media at Empowered in My Skin. Finally, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you soon.